Uh, good evening, and welcome to Karl Marx as the Washing Up, where we ponder ludicrous metaphysical nonsense in the time it takes to make five Tesco's basic microwave meals. Which is around 21 minutes. It is. Well, or it isn't. Um, <laughs> just spending on your, you know, philosophical disposition. <laughs> and on um, your microwave calibration. Yeah, yeah, and your wattage. So I realized that, like, we've been using, like, we've been following instructions for, like, 800 watts. yeah. Um, when we only have a 700 watt microwave. Why does that make a difference though? Well, I think that's why recently our um, podcasts Pod- have been going over what, uh, 21 minutes. Oh, because it's taking longer? Oh, because yeah. we've been following the wrong instructions. Yeah, which wouldn't make it longer, they'd just make it undercooked. Maybe that's why we had <laughs> diarrhea last week. <laughs> or was that just me? No, we had, well, we definitely both had verbal diarrhea. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about your bowels. Yeah, well, we have synchronized biology. What, like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spent too much time together then our bowels are synced. Yeah, of course. Like, why, why else? That? I mean, or maybe our bowels were synced and so we spent too much time together. That makes a lot more sense, actually. There's also, like, it might be like some sort of, you know, um, gastrointestinal serendipity. Or it might just be like, practically, if we poo at the same times, then like we can do things like our free time is the same, right? Yeah, but we only have one bathroom. So... Yeah, and don't live together. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but most no, of them. but like I feel like a lot of people make you know they make uh, time for like social activities based on their work life. But we base it on our bowel life. Yeah, and I think this is far more profound and like more. But I think this we, is, this is de- definitely wiser to base things on your gut. But you know, everybody says you know you should do things from your gut. Like we really do. But I think people do that subconsciously. Like, uh, say, I finish work at five. I would rather meet someone at 6 rather than 5.30 because it gives me time to have a bowel movement before I meet them. Do you not do, you not do that? Um, hmm. Yeah, maybe I do, but like it's all quite subconscious. <laughs> you don't yeah. do it consciously? No, I don't consciously. Like, I, I've never really done a conscious shit in my life. <laughs> you never plan to do one before you do something? No, no, no. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very organised. I've got like a very sort of... <laughs> huh? I've got like... I think, like, the sort of, the orchestration of my bowel movement is very German, but it's, like, interiority is Indian. <laughs> so it's very liquidy. It's very runny. Uh, yes, let's move on to, like, a slightly more sexier uh, topic. Well, I think this... Well, we, we, I think, yeah, because we were going to talk about pleasure, right? Well, what's more pleasurable than a bowel, a bowel movement? movement? Exactly. Yeah, I completely so agree. So I think, like, we were, we were struggling also, to define pleasure. But what are you But more... it is, like, a good bowel movement. And... So what's the difference between pleasure and passion? Because we're found bowel movements pleasurable, but we're also extremely passionate about them. So yeah. do you have to be passionate about something to gain pleasure from it? Or do we gain pleasure from it? No, are we passionate about it because we gain pleasure from it? Yeah, that's true. That's interesting, but... Wait, <laughs> <it's> just gonna, <laughs> but I'm going to ignore that question. <laughs> I remember there's... Um, so uh, I had this conversation with a friend in, in Germany, and he was... He had this theory that, like, he loves, like, closing doors, like, lock, like playing with the locks on doors. And he had this theory that there's a certain penetration that is... Uh, in locking a door. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you turn the door and it, like, clicks, and there's that, there's that joy, that, there's that pleasure when the lock just flits. Yeah. 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 Or you push it down and it goes. So there's, like, a sort of threshold. So you get to this threshold, and it sort of... Uh, Kind of, it's that that fall from that tension into that release that causes the pleasure. 
And so here, there's that kind of connection between opening a door and having sex. Because you reach, you move over some threshold. But that's and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, yeah. uh, not necessarily a uh, sane idea, but, <laughs> but I'm saying like maybe that's the, the same joy of the bowel movement, is this like movement from a threshold, from this constriction to a release. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But what does that have to do with... So returning to your... So maybe the whole basis of pleasure, like his idea was like what is pleasurable is when there is a threshold that is being crossed. And I agree with that. So maybe you could get pleasure from a myriad of ways, not entirely sex and phallic imagery, right? So example, food. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't need to be phallic. It just needs to be like, it's, it's more like the mechanism behind it rather than the aestheticism. And then, then you can replicate that in a myriad of ways, right? Yeah. Yeah? I think so. Like, I mean, you could even say, you know, even like this kind of like, you know, that real joy that you get from when you finish work? there's that sort of constriction and, and there's that builder and it like moves into a threshold. And that moment you leave is just like so joyous. What about when you, know, when you get that pleasure from drinking alcohol potentially, but then when you cross that threshold into when you're too drunk, it's not pleasurable anymore? Yeah. So there's probably like, you can go back and forth maybe. Yeah? But the problem is once you cross the threshold, you can't get back. So unlocking the door doesn't provide the same pleasure as locking the door. No. Locking the door, locking the door can have a pleasure, but the unlocking of the door, I think, is greater. Why? Because in your friend's example, he found locking the door extremely pleasurable. No, I was no. It's kind of like the no. I think it was the unlocking. The unlocking, but the unlocking is not actually no. Both is, the both is, both is enjoyable, right? Yeah, but the unlocking is not penetrative. Right? No, You're but pulling it's pulling out. Yeah, but you don't pull out during sex? No, I mean, I pull out during sex, but that's the least pleasurable part of sex, right? Yeah, uh, the pulling out. I don't know. That's the most pleasurable part for you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you're saying after you finish sex, you pull out? Not during... <laughs> okay, I'm getting confused. I've been reading the wrong textbooks. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. The idea was that there is a threshold that's being crossed. Right, so I think you can get the joy from the locking and the unlocking of the door, but it's that sort of <coughs> kind of movement. Yeah, but okay, but you're you're saying the word joy is joy pleasure is pleasure joy? Oh, is that's... pleasure not more than joy? Yeah, I feel like there's this idea, at least like this sort of hedonism around pleasure, this idea that there's a like kind of intensity and a rawness to pleasure, and then joy has this like more sustainable, right? Yeah, yeah, it feels like. And it's easier to access, I think. Yeah, it also feels a little purer. Yeah. Right? When you say joy, you could have, like, spiritual joy. And sexual pleasure. Right? You don't say, like, spiritual pleasure sounds a little bit weird. That sounds like you're doing tantra. And sexual joy doesn't sound too appealing either. Yeah, sexual joy doesn't sound... Yeah, exactly. But then... But this is probably just, like, semantically... Yeah, semantic. But then, so say you've got pleasure... So what is passion? Oh yeah, what is uh, what is passion? Passion is. I feel like there's a certain commitment to something within a passion. There's a direction within a passion, and it's a commitment towards a point, and a kind of. When you're committed towards this, that sort of like assertion, and like linear movement, brings about a pleasure. 
So I disagree, actually. I think passion is the lack of reason. So it's when your senses completely overtake you and you, you lose reason. Like, you know, when people are so passionate about their work, they forget to eat. That's a lack of reason, right? Or when people are so passionate with a girl in a nightclub or a guy in a nightclub, they lose reason, right? Yeah, but that can fit with what I said. Can it, though? Because that not. commitment suggests, suggests reason. No, not necessarily. But isn't that... You can still be an idiot and do it. You can still, like... You can still, with complete insanity... Like, I think passion is often, like, quite insane. Because it's sort of a... Neg- like you say, it's like, it's like an imbalance. Yeah. It's a neglection of... Of everything else, Of everything right? else, right. And that's what creates that linearity. Whereas pleasure seems to be more reason-based, right? If we use that threshold... Well, like, uh, okay, definition. I guess there's, like, a point in which a certain type of pleasure, once pursued to a degree, becomes an addiction... And can maybe be called like a passion, or passions maybe the space between, um, you know, balanced enjoyment and addiction, right? Um, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Right? Yeah. And if you take a sort of yogic sort of stance, then passion would maybe just be something frivolous, like addiction. Yeah, it's just like a mild form of addiction. Um, but I guess there's a point where there, where when you commit to something, some I think you can have like quite a quite a sort of uh, beneficial neurological response from that commitment. But if you take it too like, far, right? far, then it becomes just like completely destructive. It destroys... Like, I mean, I've even experienced this with like uh, some of my... Like when, when I was running the pop-up restaurant. Yeah, that's um, true. I was just like dreaming about food and constantly in this state of like recipe creation. I couldn't sleep because of it. And, yeah, and that's, so that was like a passion, but it was also right? getting... Yeah. Yeah. And it was... Exactly, I was like neglecting my sleep because I was so kind of addicted to the creative process around food. But that's really interesting. So then, because you're almost suggesting that maybe we should not be passionate about things because it's actually unhealthy to be passionate about something. Well, I think it's about balance. Like, I think all these things, like, you know, there is a balance and you need to find exactly where that point is. And, you know, if you go like too far, on one side, then you end up under a, um, you know, under a bridge taking blowjobs from, like, seven-headed <laughs> monsters. <laughs> but uh, it, <laughs> depending on your dream. Like, but what if that is your passion, though? Well, Wait, well then, taking blowjobs or giving blowjobs under a bridge? Both. I mean, yeah, you do one. Depend, wait, what, like, is it Tuesday? Is it, <laughs> is it like weekday or weekend? It depends on the bridge as well. Tower Bridge, London Bridge? No, no, no. You, nobody goes to bridges like that. Oh, you need to go to CD. No, when you're when you're an addict, you don't go to you don't go to the tourist spots. You go to like uh, I don't know what is it like Cleveland or something. Well, this isn't this isn't my passion, so I don't know about it. Is this your passion? No, <laughs> this is just like <laughs> abstracted experience. <laughs> okay, but so my issue is right. So say so we were saying that uh, my cough is clearly contagious. We were saying that you know passion. So is my charisma. <laughs> Your charisma is contagious. Such <laughs> arrogance. Such, Such arrogance. arrogance. No, yeah, but, but I never quantified my charisma. It's, it could be negative. <laughs> no, but I was. I'm I, only charismatic when I'm alone, though. But then, so I think ridiculousness is contagious. Yeah, 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 and herpes. And <laughs> Whereas, yeah, ridiculousness is contagious. Well, not always. Like I think we've been in fairly few situations where. Uh, like what was the, what were you telling me about that girl you met on the plane? Oh um, uh, yeah, I sort of, I told her I was Japanese, and she was like, "But you've got a British accent." But I was like, uh, I, I, well, "I said that when I drink too much tea, I develop a British accent." 
And she was, she was not enamored with that level of conversation. Yeah, she, she said I didn't look Japanese. But she'd never been to Japan, so how does she know what a Japanese person looks like? Yeah, that's what you told her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. sure she loved it. Yeah, see, um, not everybody's as refined enough to deal with our insulting <laughs> nonsense. But then maybe our passion is ridiculousness, and we're doing it to such an extent that we're neglecting ourselves in yeah. a social aspect. Yeah, but like, I feel like ridiculousness is paying reverence to the self. Like, true ridiculousness, like... Yeah? Well, yeah, I think this is the notion of absurdity. I said the world is so unbelievably completely unfathomably absurd right yeah it's, it's irrational, just like right it's completely irrational and if yeah. you actually spend any like time like for a second to just genuinely really truly ponder the nature like just the sensory experience of reality or you try to create some reason why this is all happening or you but you just look it in the eyes there's only you can only burst into laughter it is completely ridiculous right <laughs> exactly <laughs> hear that nonsense <laughs> outside <laughs> it's ridiculous no, but then there is that theory, and that theory I was alluding to earlier, pre-podcast, I should say, but about how unhappy people try and find order in everything, and maybe the happiest among us are the ones that don't try and find order in the universe, because they accept how irrational it is and how ridiculous it is. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think a lot of what happens in our life, the, like, the whole cons- construction of civilization is based yeah. on this notion of defying entropy or trying to find like, an order... Yeah. Within the chaos. Yeah. Or like reject the chaos. Um, because we find it easier to, well, because we struggle with the notion of certainty. And then we find that, um, with uncertainty, sorry. Yeah. And we want to create things so we can organize our life, so we can achieve things and do stuff. And I feel like if we hadn't created order um, in a universe that doesn't allow it, well, we don't know what the universe is. Yeah. Chaotic yeah order, that's sure. like exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But. Like, this society is built up. This building that we're standing in, we're on the sixth floor of a building, which is completely nuts. Yeah. Like, that we can be this high above the ground, like, orchestrated yeah. by bricks built by humans. <laughs> like, humans with, like, a similar architecture to ourselves, maybe, like, better educated. But, um, yeah, that's nuts. But we wouldn't... This would not happen unless we had sort of created some logical structures grounded in an order. Yeah, but... But those people are probably unhappy. Right? <laughs> We're the only happy people? No, I think we live pretty ordered lives. Like, we live by our vows, which are chaotic, but we've structured them according to, like, uh, to the moon. And, and to <laughs> the lunar vows. calendar. Yeah. But then that's the thing. So I think living by, governed by your vows is much better than being governed by your mind or your heart. Because your vows... Because your gut. It's your gut, exactly. And you're following true instinct, right? And we are what everyone says you are, what you eat. And we are taking that to a different level. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, we really are, though. Yeah, we are what we eat. So if we go back to pleasure and passion. Uh, so do you think we gain pleasure from... Things that we do. And I mean, yeah. you... Like, so I have this uh, notion of the omnipresent clitoris, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Which is basically just the idea that there is like pleasure, like a sort of a hidden point of pleasure within everything. And we just like 
the capacity of a human or the deepest capacity of a human is to find the clitoris within everything. Anything. Yeah. yeah, but then that's why we try and find pleasure in banality, right? Yeah, like yeah. a lot of people go out of their ways to find pleasure, but we try and find it, you know, in the mundane. So yeah. washing and I up, think that's higher. Like that's yeah, it's kind of easier for me. But then that's why your locking up analogy is amazing. Because a lot of people would find that mundane and banal. But you're saying there still can be pleasure found in just simply yes. locking a door, right? But I think people get that as well. Like, I think people do see, feel those pleasures. Like, for example, when you have perfect change. When you just like... Yeah, that's a pleasure. Right? Yeah, 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 And there's something true. really sensual about that idea. It's yeah, like, that's true. 79 plea, please. And you're like, I've no got exactly I've got 79 <laughs> And it's just like, there's a certain synchronicity that's happening. And yeah, there's a certain so like... I don't know. Maybe there is a threshold as well there. Yeah, that's very um, true. But even there's then, a threshold in all payment. That's very true. But um, even we contact this payment. Yeah, but I, I feel like there, there is a joy that comes with cash, which we've kind of lost. Yeah, that's very true. And it really feels like there's like something's occurring, something kind of real's occurring. Yeah, but and we're getting like further away from that. Like, but the thing with cash is that there's a, a giving and a taking. Yeah, right? yeah. There's a bond with the cashier, whereas with contactless, there's nothing. Right? Yeah. You don't even need to look up at the cashier. There's no giving and taking. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, I will put my plastic on. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even going to see how much it is. I'm just going to tap. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, the the gesture of something, like, of a high price and a low price is the same. So if I, like, want something for one pound, I will put my plastic on you. Yeah. And if I want something for 30 pounds, I will also put my plastic on you. That's very true. But maybe people are trying to take the pleasure out of paying. Yeah, because, and also the guilt out of paying. Because if you aren't aware that you're doing something, then, you're, then yeah. you'll do it more. Yeah, you're more likely to spend more. more yeah, more likely to spend more. No, that doesn't quite work. If we, see, if we say giving cash is such a pleasurable activity... Then you would also give more, do right? it more. But there's locked behind that, like... Yeah, that's fair. You understand, no, you feel like that you're losing something. So, okay, fine. So we've been going a different way. You know how so many artists are tortured by their work? They, they don't find it pleasurable making the work anymore, right? It becomes a chore, yeah. So what happens then when something... But is it a chore or a passion? Is it a passion and a chore? Yeah, but you know... So maybe that's a bad example, but the example I was trying to say, you know when you find something so pleasurable in the past, what changes to make you not find it pleasurable anymore? Yeah, so I've had this kind of response with cooking, right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, I worked, like, as a chef, and it was really hard, and now, like... I mean, I started... I got into cooking because I love doing it at home for myself and stuff. Yeah. And now I feel like there's so much kind of expectation around uh, my food. There's a lot of, like, um, I don't know, the way I cook is not so peaceful. It's really, like, gear. Like, and, um, In what kind of way? Like, this needs to happen then, and this needs to happen then, or yeah. it's not as fluid anymore, right? Well, no, it's still fluid. If It's maybe even more fluid, but, um, like, a lot higher tempo than it used to be. It used to be, like, I'll take an hour to cut an onion, and now I'll do it, like... <laughs> in a minute and it's I can't just like relax and cut an onion were you relaxing when you cut an onion before? dude I was caressing that shit really? were you quite was it still making I still caress onions obviously I haven't given that up (laughs) but you do that in the bath now yeah yeah but is it it and when I need to cry like yeah but would it still make you cry if you took an hour to do it? because I always thought the thing that would make you cry about the onion is that you're cutting it so fast that it's releasing all this energy and it's making you emotional Whereas if you do it slowly over an hour, does it still make you cry? No, so actually, when you cut a um, when you cut it with a sharp knife and fast, then you don't break the cells so much, so it releases less juice. Whereas if you cut it like slowly, like 
like this, it actually causes the cell to burst and release its juice. So you cry more. So you cry more with a bad onion. So if you're crying, it's because you're a lousy chopper or you've got shitty onions. But that's amazing though. So like a slow death is more painful and it should be more emotional because you're more attached yeah, to this yeah. onion. Yeah, and that's why you have to go to sleep afterwards. You cut the onion, you can't cook because you're just like, <laughs> this is so traumatic. No wonder you don't find it pleasurable anymore. It takes you an hour to cut. It used to take you an hour to cut an onion and you take a nap and then you'd cook, right? Yeah, yeah. But now you need to cut the onion, cook, and then eat, and then nap. Yeah, I think that's the problem. Maybe it's all the, like, the activity, which is just... It's just so so tiring. Well, maybe you should host dinner parties where the chef can nap. Yeah, I think that was... Yeah, like Sleeping Lions. Sleeping... (laughs) Exactly. The production. (laughs) So, I mean, have we said anything about pleasure? No, we said nothing, like always. But at least we're consistent, right? We're consistent in our complete irrelevance of what we're planning on saying. Yeah, but is that what... Okay, so let's, let's talk about, like, let's, uh, let's talk about um, the idea of, like, whether pleasure is something that should be pursued at all. Like, he, or, like hedonism, or is there something else in this world that we should be focused on? So if we see pleasure as a peak and hedonism as a constant peak, uh, then I think pleasure should be chased so then you can have the trough and the peak and the trough, Right. Or are you saying that maybe we should just exist in this middle space where everything is constant, where we don't have well, I think, pleasure and sadness, right? So I think pleasure exists as a biological function in order for us to attain the things that are healthy for us. But right? as in, so, pleasure so like sugar, for example. So I think sugar is a great example. So yeah. we need sugar in order to, um, to live and for energy, for um, yeah, yeah. respiration, uh, you know, on a Krebs cycle, <laughs> you know, those... That nonsense, ATP and Mate, mitochondria, yeah, those yeah, yeah. sort of you know, bio- biology <laughs> words. Anyway, and then, um, and yeah, we need sugar in order to make energy. Um, and so that's why sweetness is so tasty and stuff. And so we find it in fruits and all these, like, these great vegetables. And that's why like healthy, well-grown vegetables taste better than shitty old ones, which don't taste of anything. They're not sweet enough. And so I think that's great because that makes us eat these sort of things. But then we notice, ah, this has got sugar in it, right? And this is causing displeasure sensation. And we take the, take, we abstract the sugar and we refine the sugar and we just have, we just want all this pleasure. So we put this loads of sugar and then we put it into a Mars bar. Yeah. And then we get diabetes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that is like a over the top, um, that's like taking pleasure to a point which is, sort of ludicrous and abstracting it from its like biological compo- um, uh, intention and putting it in a different form that puts it onto a whole nother level. And that creates an imbalance, which causes a di- diabetes. So I think pleasure, when it's within the balance of something which is like, eco- like ecologically designed to be beneficial, right? Yeah. Is good. And I think you can say the same with sex and you can say the same with like all these things that we tend to be addicted to. Right. Yeah. Like sex is sex is like a fundamental um, importance in our life in order to procreate. Yeah. But we're just like boning, like yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. But then, I just don't think balance can be achieved uh, in when applied to pleasure. Because, like you said, we're we're addicted to pleasure. Not so much we're addicted to sugar or addicted to anything else. We're addicted to pleasure. Right. Yeah. We're all Bacchus. And then... We're like, all Bacchus. Yeah, we're all Bacchus, right? In terms of, like, the god of... Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
But I don't know if we can, like, how would you stop yourself? Like, the only way to stop yourself would be never to experience that pleasure, I think. I don't think we have that level of self-control where we would be able to stop ourselves after we've experienced pleasure. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think we do have self-control. Well, I mean, I've I've experienced decent self-control. Just on this podcast, I have no (laughs) self-control. Like, outside of this, I'm fairly, like, you know. Yeah, well, maybe if we were passionate about... I've given up a lot of things. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Like what? Like, uh, I've given up sugar, I've given up yeast, I've given up dairy before, I've given up, like, hot showers, I've given up, like, masturbation at times, I've given up, at times, that's just between masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but the, the, um, the fact that it was only at times, yeah. and not permanent, does that suggest that you don't have as much self-control as you thought Okay, you no, but none of these things were permanent, because we don't really, like, Believe we're not time. attached to any yeah, yeah, emotional yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or try not to... Yeah, it don't permanent, but like for long periods of time, I've given up a lot of stuff, partly to understand like how my body works, partly to understand that like, I do think that to understand something, you need to understand its absence. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But don't you think a lot of pleasure derives from repetition? Yeah, that's true. Rather than the actual Mars the, bar, for example, it would be the repetition, the act of eating the Mars bar rather than the actual taste. But I think like a repetition that takes you into its depth is slightly different from a repetition that kind of takes you away from its depth, right? And the addiction takes you away from the essence of what it is that you're doing. Whereas um, like a healthy connection or sort of takes you into it. So like meditation, right? Yeah. Is based on that process of getting deeper into the self and deeper connected to the functions of your mind and the functions of the universe. Yeah, um, and it is only through the repetition and this like movement into that its depth that, that you can access that that level. And I think that could be applied to many things, like um, like, like sex or even just taking the seventy four bus every day. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's very true. Um, if you have that consciousness that this is an experience that I'm repeating and I'm moving into its depth, but if you start if you start abstracting only like considered only with the pleasure. Yeah. Right. Then it becomes this sort of hedonic. Um, yeah, but then what is, which... what's necessarily wrong with hedonism, though? Like, uh, we could live young, we could live fast and die young, but we would have had a brilliant twenty-five years or thirty years. But I don't think you would have. Like, I think that I think because Why there is a more component to life than just like hedonism. base level pleasure. Right? But is that? Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel well. It depends. What if I guess it depends on what you yeah. talk about as pleasure and if joy is something. But if we say, I think having a meaning or a sort of like a deep sense of meaning in your life um, creates a sort of sustained joy. And like if you pursue only pleasure, then I don't think you really have that meaning. But what and if I feel like you don't know, a lot of the time people pursue pleasure in order to sort of an eclipse a sadness, right? Yeah, right. So it's like I've, I'm feeling like sad. sad and let's like, try and let's, let's yeah. just, yeah, yeah, take yeah. some drugs or something. Yeah, but then what if your passion is pleasure? Yeah, well, then you're just, like, uh, being an idiot. You're just, like, <laughs> saying nonsense. Like, my, pa- my passion is pleasure. Like, that's just... That's just nonsense? Well, I mean, maybe it's quite wise. <laughs> but I, I, my like, passion is pleasure. Like, I just find it disappointing that, you know, everything seems to come down to balance. Uh, yeah, it is. Like, and we are the most imbalanced people. That's what I'm saying. We're so asymmetrical in everything that we do, right? Like, 
We are, yeah, exactly. We are unbalanced people, mentally, emotionally, physically. And I think it's a lot to ask for a population to focus on balance of things. Yeah, but that's just because you're lazy. Like, you're just like, well, let's just do it the easier way. I don't think it's to do with the easier way. Just the one with less effort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm just passionate about the lack of balance. I find pleasure in the lack of balance. You find pleasure in the lack of balance. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I like <laughs> find the pleasure in the lack of balance. Like this is a very unbalanced podcast. It's been twenty-eight minutes, and it's been joyous. It's been joyous. Has it been joyous? Has it been pleasure or passion? We didn't even talk about lust. But there's so much, so much to do. <laughs> so much to do. So little time. Yeah, and I'm so tired. Like, I'm so <laughs> pleasure is like knackering, man. I think that's the. I think that's maybe the answer. Like, if you, you know, like after sex, you just want to sleep, right? Yeah, for sure. So if we just say like pleasure is an activity that Brings inspires narcolepsy, <laughs> that is pretty decent definition of pleasure. <laughs>